Thursday, it's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah coming to you from the Kintech studio. This program is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire Quality Service You Can Trust and 14 locations to serve you. Lots to come on the program, as there always is. Oh, yeah. Always. Plenty to get into. We're kind of scrambling to get on air. Uh, Yeah. Bic took forever, and he was like talking. To and, us. Yeah. And then I gave him a 50, a 50 piece of uh, of Hungarian fort that I randomly found in my knapsack. And then I found out that Bic just collects random foreign uh, currency, like really? coins. Yeah. Okay. So. so so there's something about Bic you probably didn't know because I didn't know three minutes ago either. He's a coin collector. So there was a good reason why we were a little slow to get on the air here well, today. Well, that and also reacting. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was told about some trade suggestion, and I almost fell off my chair. Do we have to go back and get no, the tape? No, we're not, we're not okay. talking about it. We're not right. talking about it. It's, it's nothing worth discussing, really. It's a uh, Horvat trade proposal that um, would not make much sense. Yeah, I'm, I'm just— For not, the Canucks. You know, I, you know what? I'm not dignifying it with response. <laughs> Fair enough. The mystery is here. You can speculate all you want. 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. What's the worst trade proposal you could come up with for Bo Horvat? And then think of it getting worse. <laughs> I'm just I'm not I'm not touching it. You know what? Forget it. Forget I even brought it up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. It's enough uh, Bo Horvat trade talk for at least the next five minutes. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll put a six-minute moratorium on it. Um, he scores last night. Hey, we get another power pick win. It was like, yeah. don't you love when you don't have to sweat a bet? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on Horvat anytime gold. Two I, minutes in. Woohoo! Cash that check. Let's per- go. Personally, I don't know what that's like this year, <laughs> but I'm so glad that you do. At least one of us on this show does. Yeah, it's, uh, it's happened quite a bit, um, thankfully for me. Uh, but, okay, uh, Canucks get the win last night over the Calgary Flames. Uh, solid performance. W- one thing I don't quite understand about the Canucks sat is um, why they seem to play all of their best and most complete games away from home. Right? Like, every game we've pointed to, even this year that they've played well in, is not at Rogers Arena. Maybe outside of the Pittsburgh game very early on in the season. Yeah. But that Vegas game was away. That Colorado game was away. This game last night, away. I'm almost half expecting them to be down 3 nothing at the start of the, the, the game against Winnipeg on, on Saturday night. Yeah. Like, they're coming back home off a big win. You think they're going to carry some momentum? Nope. Nope. Just going to be 3 nothing after the first. 
two goals from Kyle Connor and Josh Morrissey to make it three nothing on the power play. That's what that's what's gonna happen. You know the Canucks won last night. Right? I know, yeah. but this team is so frustrating. Like, why can't you just put together solid performances more than just like once a week? And they've also won four out of their last five. Yeah, nine of their last thirteen. But it's so funny. It's like, the sky's falling. They're going to lose 3 nothing. Like, I didn't they, say they the sky won. is falling. I just I want to see more consistent performances. Yeah, I'm with I don't you. want to come sure. on the air and be like, yeah, Canucks played great last night. Let's see if they can carry that momentum. I've made that mistake too many times, Sat. <laughs> you have, but it's, you know, we're a couple of days away. Don't worry about the, sh- the other shoe dropping quite yet, Dan. It's yeah. only Thursday. You know, we have we have 48 hours to go before puck drop for the next game. It's all right. Just chill. Let's let's just bask in what we saw last okay. night and some of the other things, Dan. Here's what yeah, it is. Okay. Me and me and Jack and Maple Ridge are like living the the roller coaster of the season a little bit too much. Very angry. <laughs> Even when they win, just so angry. Constantly angry about everything with this team. <sighs> Isn't that they what they won, <laughs> but not impressively enough. <laughs> they won, but what do they do when they come back home? Well, it's true. They're it's a, not, the, not. they're above 500 on the road and below 500 at home, which brings them to 500. Yes. And this is the same thing that happened last year. But, they'd but, win a bunch of great games sure. on the road. They'd come back home and lay an egg. It's but like, why? But Dan, How? but it, but Dan, Dan, isn't home cooking supposed to be good? But eventually, you know, sometimes is it ha- getting to sleep in your own bed supposed to be an advantage for your team? But Dan, they did the same thing last year, and by the end of the season, they had more points at home than on the road. Okay. I get it though, because I mean, the paying customers deserve better. <laughs> like I, I, I do <laughs> believe that, but it's just—it's really funny to see how you're reacting. <laughs> it's the fans that are the problem. So when somebody texted in. It's the fans. It's the children. Definitely not us. Uh, Doubter Dan. Somebody else texted in to let us know. Uh, Raymond says this team is destined for ninth. And that mm. is the worst part. All right, okay. Well, forget all that. They won the game the other night. Yeah, they they won. And okay. um, whatever, we we can talk about <laughs> the skies falling when 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 it actually is falling. It hasn't fallen quite yet. Okay. I all right. I'll calm down for for just a second. <sighs> okay. I I just want to see a better performance on Saturday. Okay. I don't, I don't want them to be down three nothing in the first period. You know who, you know what you're like you're like the minority re- minority report, but <laughs> for like. <laughs> For broadcasters, <laughs> you're predicting the next Canucks crime, which is going to be on the weekend. You want to get ahead of it? Prove me wrong. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. Uh, all right. So uh, the latest 32 Thoughts blog, really taking a 180 turn here. Uh, there's a lot about, uh, you know, Horvat and, and JT Miller and, and the Vancouver Canucks. But what uh, was sort of interesting uh, was thought number three, some other stuff about the Canucks from Elliot Friedman. They're determined to create cap room. That will take some creativity, but aren't interested in moving first rounders and would like to replace the second rounder sent to Chicago mm-hmm. in the Jason Dickinson, Riley Stillman deal. Something we talked about immediately after that trade happened that uh, since it is a pick for next year, they'll probably try to recoup it uh, in the future. Elias Pettersson can be extended this summer, and even though he isn't a UFA until July 2025, it's already on their radar. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's it's the biggest priority for this organization, and it has been, but they couldn't get around to it until – they can't get around to it until the summertime. Yeah. Technically, they're not allowed to talk contract until the summer. Yeah, you can't really sign anything anyways. Yeah. But in some summer times where you're going to get down and talk about it, because it's the most defining contract this team is going to sign. Because even if Bo gets signed, we're talking about it's going to be somewhere between seven to eight million on the AAV. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. On Elias Patterson, mm-hmm. the low end is mid nines, and even that is probably not realistic given yeah. where the trend is going. So we'll get into it here in a second. But I do believe organizationally, when they came in, the biggest things they've been wanting been wanting to do obviously is clearing cap space. But as far as taking care of business. It's three contracts, really, for them. It was the JT Miller one, mm-hmm. Bo Horvat one, and then Elias Patterson one. Even best for three years. The other ones are you know, Mikheyev, four years. It's under five. We're not talking about something that's as big long-term. They already have Quinn done. Yeah, and Demko has three more years beyond this still. So that's something that's not coming to a head quite yet. You need to worry about it, really. But it's about getting your foundational pieces really locked in. And also, one of the things they want to do is have a have an internal cap that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And when they know they got to pay Pedersen a number that starts with at least 9.5, and even that is like absolutely, like if you really want to be super optimistic about it, and even that I don't think it's going to happen, but let's just allow it. Absolute, absolute bare minimum 9.5 million. So I think what they're looking at is... That's the floor. That's the absolute floor, and even that's not happening. But let's just say for your argument's sake. So when, you, when you're staring at a player like JT making eight, yeah, Bo seven to eight, and the Pedersen one coming down. I think they really, for their internal cap picture and also for planning, they really want to get those things locked in. Because once you get those pillars locked in, and you know exactly what it's going to look like, it allows all the other business and planning to happen a lot easier. Yeah, and and Pedersen's the biggest one, right? Uh, due respect to to Miller and yeah. and Horvat. And everybody else on this roster, like Pedersen, is the engine. We've seen that this year. Maybe he's. Uh, having what would be uh, considered a slump for him right now and didn't play all that well last night. And we've seen some more down games from him recently, but end of it all, like this contract, you want it to be max term. Yes. Right. Yes. The benefit of bridging Pedersen when they did a few years ago is if you're able to go max term on the next deal, you get all of the best years of Elias Patterson, and there's no doubt. You know, that's the one sort of, I don't know if you would call it downside, of signing a big-time player right out of their entry level. Like, Connor McDavid's going to be a UFA when he's, what, 29? Yeah. Right? You've still got a couple of years of his prime left, maybe even a little bit more for a player of, of that ilk. Jack Eichel, same yeah. thing. Uh, right, they're coming up at age twenty-eight, twenty-nine. John Tavares, uh, when he came up with the New York Islanders, wasn't a full eight-year term, but you mm-hmm. know he becomes a free agent at twenty-seven, twenty-eight. That's what you don't want when you have a big-time player. And now, if the Canucks can get Pedersen to an eight-year full max term, you know that essentially locks up your top player for the entirety of his prime and a little bit more. Yeah, and that's always been the benefit of doing the bridge. That yeah. If you play it right and then you sign the player to an extension, then you don't have those waste years, really, or at least 
far less potential for those waste years at the end of a contract, or at least years you're not getting the value you want yeah. in a massive cap hit. Because he'll be, what, 32, 33 when he's a free agent if he signs an eight-year extension? He's 24 years old now. Mm-hmm. That's nine years away. Yeah. So add another year on top of after next year, you're talking about nine years. So you're talking about getting him up until the age 33, which is perfect. Because I think yep. at 33, he's still going to be at a really high peak. And even at that point, he's he's not old enough for you to look at it and say, oh, we're going to give this guy, uh, being afraid of giving him three to four years. Like you can mm-hmm. easily give him a four or five year deal at that point even, get him to 37, 38. And the numbers probably make a lot more sense. Instead of being in a position, you're right, where he's 30, 31, and you're like, man, we really need him the next two or three years. <laughs> we have to give him another eight-year deal? Yeah. Six, seven years? Yeah. Right? And and if you can, with the cap going up in two years' time, for instance, and Pedersen's already in his early 30s, and he takes another step, all of a sudden, if the cap's $105 million in four years or $110 million in five years, and he's playing as one of the best centers in the league, then even $10 million on the cap could be a bargain depending on how the cap goes up the next few years. So this is what um, I had said when, when the bridge contract was done because the way it was then, at least the thought was Patterson was asking for about 10 million per on an eight year term. I think so. You're right. My understanding back then was Pedersen wanted double digits. Yeah. 10 million. Now sort of the Eichel contract. Now, was there a possibility given everything going on, that had they gone to 9.5 over 8, that maybe it would have got it done? Yeah. Potentially. Like, there could have been that opportunity that existed. Yeah. You know, because, you know, the Canucks never even got to that stage, I think, on some of the long-term numbers. Maybe that could have Mm -hmm. done it. I don't think it does anymore. So, 9.5, that would be Braden Shen who's at 9.5 with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Braden Point. Uh, sorry, yeah, Braden Chen. Uh, talking too much about Bo yes. Horvat lately. Um, <laughs> and that comp. But Braden Point, the other Braden, the better Braden. Uh, sorry, Luke. I, I hope you don't think I'm slandering your brother right now. Wow, I'm way off the rails. Um, <laughs> Braden Point, coming out of his bridge deal, uh, signed eight years, $9.5 million per with the Tampa Bay Lightning. We just saw Matt Barzal coming out of a bridge deal sign up a long-term extension with the New York Islanders at a number in that same range. As you mentioned, that's the absolute floor for Pedersen. And that would mean uh, he probably slows down for the rest of this year if the number ends up in that range. My take this whole time, and even after the bridge, was, well, if the ask is in the $10 million range right now, I don't know how much Pedersen increases that value by the time the bridge is up. And as we currently sit here today, what is the ceiling of this Pedersen contract? If it's an eight year sort of discussion, 88 million, 90 million, like that's, it's it's more certainly more is eight, I, but I, it's not a ton more than where it was three years ago or two years ago. Yeah, I'd say the range. I think the realistic range is probably between. I'd say if you look at a ten million range. Yeah, I'd say it's between eighty to ninety. 
Yeah, right. That's kind of the ten. If you want to talk about ten million dollar range and give a lot of buffer for what it might be, we talked about the JT Miller range. Where was it? We said, hey, it's probably between forty five to fifty five million. He ends up on the high end of that, at fifty six million. So usually shade high end of a mm-hmm. realistic uh, trend. I mean, for Bo, uh, we would have had it at say forty to fifty million. Yeah, has that shifted from forty five to fifty five? Yep. You know, and it very well may have. So it's going to be on the high end of that. You saw JT on the high end of that. So even on the high end, it's probably close to the 90 range for J- for Elias Pettersson potentially. But you are right. Like Here's where just as far as bargaining goes and comparables, the Jack Eichel contract, 10.5 million, 84. Yeah. I think that's... Eichel is just straight 10 million. 10 million. million. Yeah. 80 million. I think that's an easy one, but it wasn't a bridge. But I think yeah. that one you can point to and say, hey... That's pretty close. Maybe that's something he signs to. But as good as Pedersen has been, for him to get above $10 million per year or even above 10.5, I think, he's going to have to have a type of year where we look at it and say, oh, he, he had a Matthew season. Yeah. He had that type of year. Yeah. You know, where we're talking about him as one of the top two or three best players in the league, and those guys get $11 million plus, $12 million plus. And as good as Pedersen has been, and he's definitely one of the better players in the league this year, is he quite at that echelon? Yeah, I don't think he's been in that category yet. So to your point, I think it's pretty much determined what it's going to be. You know, I, I, the question is, can can Vancouver get him closer to ten instead of getting to eleven, which yeah. would be a help to the team? And the bigger question I have is, how hard do they push? Mm-hmm. With JT, they push pretty hard. With Bo, even harder. Yeah, is the Pedersen negotiation going to be more comfortable? Is it one of those you just have to get done? Yeah, I wonder. Right, you don't want him sniffing any type of a offer sheet situation. He's, he's the youngest one of them all. Like you're talking about, yeah. you know, Bo's going to be a free agent at 27, by 28. Yeah, Pedersen, you're talking about signing him up to a contract at the age of 25. Yeah, at the age of 25, that's where he signs a contract. It's going to take him until he's age 32, 33. Any contract Bo signs, it's taking him to 35, 36. Mm-hmm. JT is going to 37. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting Pedersen, despite the fact that it's more, you're getting him for his younger years, and yeah. he's the better player. It's th- it's a far more important contract for the organization. It's a hugely important contract. It's one I'd be more willing to overpay for, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you know, if you're haggling over uh, a little bit, like, uh, we want to keep you at 10.8, uh, and Pedersen's asking for 11, like, just bridge that gap, you know? He is such an important player to this team, and you don't want to. The last thing you want with Elias Pettersson is to go into not this offseason, but the next offseason without that figured out. And he's an RFA with a qualifying offer, can accept the qualifying offer, and yeah. potentially go to UFA. Get, Essentially do what Matthew Kachuk did to the Calgary Flames and say, I'm not signing long-term here, so we're we're either playing this out or you're trading me. So for people that are wondering, does Pedersen even want to stay here long-term? Yeah. The Canucks are going to find that out this summer. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason, too. It's like... You, the last thing you want to do is get to be in the Matthew Kachuk situation. Mm-hmm. So it's like we do everything we can to get this done next summer. But if you realize it's not going to happen, we we move then. You yeah. know, you get ahead of it, two years ahead of it. You know, and I think it's one of those like quiet blockbusters in the summer. All of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, you see yeah. a massive deal go down. I still think that's that is the most unlikely scenario. I mean, there's some 
obviously there there are so many a lot of avenues. Yeah, yes. there's so many potential outcomes in this situation because you can't guarantee they're going to be able to sign him. You can't guarantee he does want to stay. I think it's likely he will sign. I think it's likely he does want to stay despite what everybody thinks because he's put himself in a situation where he's considered one of the top players around the league. He's so synonymous synonymous with Vancouver and also if you look at all the potential that he has to grow off the ice too when he gets that figured out a bit more there's so many things going for him in vancouver like i don't buy into the whole like hey he doesn't want to be here and ultimately if you can give him the money that he wants and he can secure an 80 90 million dollar bag this summer that's just too much for guys his age to pass up on usually so i don't think it's going to get to the situation where you know the canucks can't sign him they have to trade him but that's part of the reason you want to get this figured out as quietly and as quickly as possible this summer so you don't get to that situation um this uh text comes in does Pedersen's average annual value or total money make a difference based on the cap going up one million or the potential four year jump that's from rager on the dunbar lumber text message inbox so there was uh you know some discussion and reporting today that you know, there could be a negotiation between the NHL and the NHLPA coming to have the salary cap increase come sooner yeah. um, than next offseason, not the upcoming offseason. So that's still very much up in the air, but it is something that could happen. And considering there's been a little bit of reporting on it, maybe it, it will happen depending where revenues go and how the NHL chooses to negotiate that with the PA. That's why percentage of the cap is always a, a way to look at a comp instead of just looking at the actual contract. So when Jack Eichel signed his deal, $80 million with the Buffalo Sabres over eight years, that was 13.33% of the cap at the time. Yes. But also the thing to keep in mind with that contract was coming off an ELC. Right. Buying four U, so you you were talking buying about buying fewer UFA years. So what four UFA years? I think yeah. they bought. So it's an eight-year contract, four UFA years. The Pedersen's contract mm-hmm. after signing a bridge deal is going to be six to seven UFA years. Yeah, that's going to put a, that's going to factor in to what the total money is going to look like, and that's why it's likely to be higher than Jack Eichel's total. Yeah, just just based on that type of precedent. And if, you know, and part of the reason for Vancouver this year to see what Pedersen was, does he play well enough for us to feel comfortable to make the type of bet on him? Because mm-hmm. that's what his market is. It's kind of like the bow situation. Like, hey, his market is becoming what his market is. Do you feel comfortable paying that? Yes or no? I think it's a simple question. Like, hey, this is what it's going to cost to keep Bo. Do you think he's worth the money? I think the same thing with Pedersen. This is what yeah. it's going to cost to keep Pedersen. And this year for the organization was to determine, do we feel comfortable making that type of bet? Because that's what, what it's going to cost. And the problem with this team has been, a lot of guys have overproduced their value to the team, mm-hmm. and they're getting these big contracts. You see the Bester one, for instance. That's the one that's the most obvious because you're like, he's not a $6.65 million player. Definitely not. But you had to pay him that because of the circumstance you found yourself in. You don't want to keep doing that with, with with these other players. And I think they feel pretty confident with the with the Elias Pedersen one being the case. But, man, you're, you're talking about an astronomical m- number. Uh, Braden Point, 11.66 uh, percentage of the cap when he signed his eight-year $9.5 million per season, yeah. $76 million total contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was, now the point one, also one of those internal cap things. 
Because nobody yeah. on on the Lightning gets more than nine and a half million per. No, you know, I'd say the internal cap is the bigger influence than the state tax stuff. Yes. Although that comes into the equation as well. But we've talked about the tax stuff. If you have a good enough accountant and if you get creative enough, there are ways for you to to make up a lot of that. You yeah. know, as much as possible at, at the very least. Despite the fact there will be some obvious advantages that you can't come, you know, go around living in a non-tax state like Florida, for instance. But the covenant they have, like the Canucks had back in the day with the organization, was hey. We have an internal cap, and that's how we're rolling. Yeah. You know, back back in the day when the Sedins were here, nobody got paid more than the Sedins. Yeah. That's you know, how it works. Six, you're not making more than $6.1 million. Well, Bergeron in, uh, in Boston yeah. for the longest time. Same thing. And even on it's the like, back— How's everybody agreeing to, like, $6 million? What is going on here? Well, exactly. <laughs> and also, like, you see guys do it for different positions. Like, in, in Vancouver, the thing that was so impressive was— So you had the internal cap for the forwards, and you had the, the Sedins coming in, and then, you know, Kester came in underneath them. But on, they did the same thing on the defensemen. Mm-hmm. And because Hughes was so good making 4.5, Edler didn't end up making more than 5. Because yeah. that was how they set up. It's like, yeah, we might give you a bit more here, but like, we've we've set our cap for our defensemen at four point five million. That's kind of what we've agreed to with our guys yeah. here. It's not going to be a lot more than that. And once you get those, once you get good players at numbers where they're giving you not only value but surplus value, and that becomes your internal cap figure, it becomes so much easier. Now you can you, now you can go up to the next guy and talk to him about like, hey man, I'm you, I'm sure you want that money, but do you want to win? Do you want to be in a good team? Because look at this guy. Look how much he's making. Yeah. Uh, our best players are making this much. You're not making more than that. No, and I think that that's why with Bo, and I mentioned this yesterday, I think in a perfect world, if they can get Bo signed to a contract where he's their second-line center and the, and the cap hit is under $7 million, like 6.75 or 6.8 even, I think they look at that and say, hey, we feel good about that because like, that's a nice number for yeah. like our second-line center and our captain and you know, if you're a guy who's pretty good but not great, we're not paying you more than him. Yeah. You know, so you don't have a situation where you're paying a Besser six and a half, seven million because you feel like you have to. Your internal cap is going to make sure people slot in the way they're supposed to slot, slot in. But the challenge with Bo is you're probably not getting him at that number. Uh, we'll uh, we'll keep this conversation going. Uh, we'll have a little bit more talk about Bo coming up later on in the program as well. But up next, it's Thursday, so we're going to hear from John Garrett. Cheech is up next on Canuck Central.